Hi, everyone. I hope you're doing well. Welcome to season two, episode 19 of the Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa. Very grateful to have you here today. Thank you so much for listening in. On today's episode, we are talking to Cassandra, aka we like to call her Cass. She is from Toronto and she actually discovered she had endometriosis because she had an endometrioma in her belly button that actually would start to bleed on her cycle. So we talk about that in detail as well as she had a 17-hour surgery because of endometriosis. Listen to her journey here on this episode and I appreciate you listening in. I appreciate Cass for sharing her incredible story and what she's really been through in the past couple years. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out anytime. All of my information is linked in the show notes. I appreciate you being here. Please subscribe. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Cycle Podcast. I have Cass or Cassandra with me today. We can call her either one. She doesn't mind. She lives just outside of Toronto in Canada, and we are going to chat with her about her story today. Cass, thank you so much for being here and being willing to share your story. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I love sharing my story. It's so wild. And if it helps anybody, you know, if people can commiserate with me, I've done my job. It will help a lot of people. So thank you for being here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, non-endo related? Non-endo related. I am, I'm 30. Well, including my age is important because I'm 36. Um, I'm living here in Hamilton, which is just outside of Toronto. I am a teacher, French teacher. Uh, I just recently went back to work online, of course. Um, I'm a mama to a one-year-old named Ellis, wife. What else? Um, yeah, I'm an endo warrior, infertility warrior. I am an adoptive mama. Yeah. Well, we look had a wildlife. Yeah, look forward to getting to know you more throughout this uh, podcast today. Well, tell us about the beginning of your kind of endo story. You know, maybe even when you started your period, or maybe you didn't have pain initially. How how did things really kind of start for you before you even potentially knew you had endo? I would say, to be honest, that it started when I got my period because I remember at 15 years old going on the pill because I would have to stay home from school um, because I would have to just like cry myself to sleep in bed in order to to get rid of the pain. Um, So going on the pill really helped. It made my period lighter, obviously less like cramps, but still pretty bad periods. Um, And you were missing school and things like that at a young age? Missing school, like literally like in the fetal position in bed, just like taking Advil and going to sleep was the only cure. Yeah, for sure. Did Um, anyone at that point, like, were you just like told this is normal? You just, unfortunately, one of those girls, like this. Honestly, didn't even think anything of it. I just thought, okay, like, ooh, that's a really bad period. And, you know, doctors say, oh, if you go on the pill, it'll help. Right. Um, And you don't really even get that much. Well, nowadays you would, but back then you didn't get that much. No, was your doctor just like, here's the pill? Yeah, absolutely. Like, here's your cure for your period but as you you know now in my 36th year you know that you know you're not supposed to have a painful period it's supposed to you know you get your cramps and this and that but most people experience horrendous periods and that's not right and they are just told go on the pill it'll help everything and not knowing what you're putting into your body a and b that it's not going it's just going to mask whatever it is you're going through so yeah, absolutely. Appreciate that. Well, so you start taking the pill and you're, you know, you're feeling a little bit better. Yeah. Kind of happens. And you still have painful periods, but you're taking the pill. You're in high yeah. school. Yeah. Into university, into life. And, you know, it's just still bad period or bad pain start. Sorry, but not as bad as it was before. Um, didn't think anything of it. And then 15 years later, you know, um, when you were 30. Well, well, when I was 30, I went off the pill. Okay. And then when I went off the pill, I noticed it wasn't that bad. It was a gradual, you know, 
getting, it gradually got worse. And then I noticed this little, I would call it like a nugget in my navel, in my belly button. Um, so you could feel it. It was like a little like nodule, I guess you would call it in my, in my navel. And I was, I was living in Korea at the time, South Korea teaching English. And I would go to the doctor there and they don't like, they didn't speak English and they would just gave me some sort of medicine. Sorry, my dog is dreaming. Um, and, um, <laughs> and you know, it didn't really help, but it was a painful little nugget in my belly button. So when I got back uh, to Canada, I had it checked out um, and by like a walk-in clinic. And they were like, okay, we'll take it out and then, you know, we'll do a biopsy on it. So they did that, took it out, did a biopsy. The doctor said, you know, and once again, this is just a walk-in. It could be an endometrioma, but it was benign, like nothing serious so i brought that information to my family doc so wait and you went to urgent like an urgent care yeah because how did so they remove pain. it it was like in your like and it in, was local it was like literally like a, like local anesthetic so like a needle and this is in your belly, belly button wake a friend came with me and they cut cut it out of me what did what did it feel? Did it feel like 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 a like you could just feel pain there, like the a pain? hard? Yeah, it was felt it hard? like a hard lump. Yep. Yeah. When you push it, it was it uh, it would hurt, and also it would just like kind of throb on its own. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, but in those fifteen years, really quick, I want to back up. Did yeah. you have any other symptoms? I mean, yes, you still had painful periods. Did you have any GI symptoms or anything in those Thinking, kind of 15 oh, years? Yes, yes, yes. The good question, because you're right. I was diagnosed with IBS. I was, you know, I was, I was highly anemic. Um, and this is in those like 15 years where you think you feel good. That's in the 15 years. Right. Yeah, where, yeah, you feel good, but like, you know, um, extreme... Uh, stool, so either end. So then right. I was diagnosed with IBS. I would get stomach attacks, just like stomach pains. Mm -hmm. You're right. I always forget about that part. Um, never did anyone ever say the word endometriosis to me. No, because you were thinking that those symptoms were separate from your painful period, and your painful period was just a period, and these other things were just, you were just one of those people that had stomach problems, is mm -hmm. probably what you thought. Okay, so yep. you, you get this nugget this nugget is like the cattle like is like the, the, the beginning start. of this whole journey yeah okay i will let you continue on that yeah journey. so he takes it out it's an enemy trauma i go to my family doc with this information and she says okay we'll send you to get a di like a diagnostic test the laparoscopy with a specialist and all that jazz and i'm like thank you meanwhile while i'm waiting for this appointment the nugget comes back. Yeah. The nugget comes back and is bigger. And this is the, the very interesting part. There was a pinhole in this lump that when I had a period, it would bleed. Bleed. So I would like, not like profusely, no. but I'd ha I wear like a little bandaid on it during my period because it would bleed when I was menstruating. Wow. So yeah, so not only did it come back, now it's bleeding and it's also pa and painful, not only to the touch, but just throbbing sometimes when it felt like it. I would assume maybe associated with the cycle. Yeah. Because that's when the blood would happen. So that's wild. So went to see that specialist and she said, okay, we'll get, so that's likely an endometrioma. We will remove that again. And then we'll go in and see if there's any endometriosis. If there is, we will cut it like cut what we can out and there's that so it's like awesome at this point Ava, did you research what any of that meant like, did you know did I that research? these things were coming i think potentially i your painful periods or were you just like this is another isolated thing i think at this point i started to you know be like okay what is endometriosis okay but, but then again like back then like info is like even right. now, like things are changing rapidly, right? But there was not that, and like you're young, I'm young, I was younger. So it's like, oh, you know, I have better things to do than research. But of course. I did start to look into it. Okay. You know, the stages and all that, okay. and get informed. 
And were you like, oh, this is why I had painful periods and all these stomach issues all my life? Or at this point, did you not put that all together? Not even yet. Nope. Didn't yeah. put anything together yet. Just like, get this thing out of me. Why surgery. is it bleeding during my period? Right. Um, didn't even think about that. Right. To be honest. No, I mean. I was just like, oh, it's bleeding. Like, I didn't associate to the cycle till later. Right. Because it comes back. Oh. So I go to this specialist, get my laparoscopy. Get, uh, so she's, uh, you know, I'm. I'm coming to you after recovery or I talk to her post-op because it is a surgery. And she says, we removed the nugget. But uh, when I went in there, it was just too intense. And I don't think I'm, I didn't think I was skilled enough. So you, we didn't cut anything out and we closed you up. You're, you have stage four. So this was when my mother-in-law actually because she like saw how distraught I was about all of this she found she's like we're gonna find the best surgeon um and get you in there and we found one in Hamilton she found one in Hamilton and so we had that specialist refer me to him she had known about him so that was good and she referred me to him um because he was the best of the best at the time and he could do the job so this is when I'm like, okay, now I've been diagnosed now with stage four, starting to do research. What does that mean? What, what, what's happening on my insides? Like why, what does she mean that it's all, it's too intense in there? Right. Right. Cause no one explained right. to you what that meant. No. Right. Um, you know, there's, you know, you have, you could have adhesions and this and that, but like, it's not, no. And like, also when you're in that state, like when someone's trying to tell you that you have stage four of anything, you're just like thinking like it's a death sentence or like it's horrible. And so you're just like in shock. So when the doctor's talking to you, you're not listening at all. Right. You're just focusing on the fact that what I have stage four of, of what, like, what do you mean? Like that sounds so intense. So I go and see this doc and he says, okay, yeah, we're going to do this surgery and this major surgery. It'll take about three hours. Um, go in there, clean you up. And even then I was still doing research about, and I didn't know much about ablation versus excision. Couldn't even tell you. I think I lost the surgery docs, but I had them and they were, they were wild, but I'm, pretty sure it was a mixture of both don't quote me on that but um uh so yeah he's gonna he's like we'll we'll, like we'll do this surgery we'll get it out three hours you know and by now like because you meet a couple times and by now the nugget is back for the third time oh my third time like it's been removed twice it's now back before you're waiting for this next procedure which is how far from the one you just had so luckily not far 2015 I can't tell you the month that I had the laparoscopy but I know that it was 2015 or 14 either 14 or 15 like that part is murky but moving forward is not um and then I had surgery this major surgery uh in in um January of 2016 and then rewind I was like, as I said, I had the issues with the bowels, right? I said I, that I was diagnosed with IBS. At this point, I was having extreme constipation. And so it gave me anal fissures. And I had a fissure so bad that they had, I had to have a surgery to close up a fissure. Oh, my goodness. Which ended up being like a fistula. And like, I had a sphincterotomy. I don't even know how to say it. Uh, but I had anal surgery. December 2015 and then I had this major surgery January 2016 and at that point you still don't even know that this belly button thing is related to the other the anal surgery that you had and the anal yeah that they're all endo related Um, I'm just like oh I was constipated and I you know got fissures from straining yeah from straining right oh, this belly button thing is, you know, now I've kind of like associated it with the endo, but I never associated that bowel surgery with endo whatsoever. Right. 2016, January, I go in for my surgery. Oh, and I said, yeah, the nugget came back. I go in for my surgery. He's like, well, we'll take the nugget out, create a belly button for you, three hour surgery. 
when I get out of the surgery, he says, it was five and a half hours. It was the worst case I've ever worked on. And this is 2016. So like, I know some pretty wild cases. I don't think I like, but for him, I was one of the wildest cases he'd seen. Um, He he, he did a pretty good job of reconstructing my belly button. Um, He's like, it was like on your, it was everywhere. Uh, on your intestines, on your this, on your that, um, bowels. I f- basically he said before the surgery, he said my well when he went after the surgery, he said my reproductive organs were in a ball and plastered to the back of my body. So like he had to like right kind free of them. let free everything. Right. Um, I ended up back in the hospital with a hematoma and like E. coli, like. <laughs> I think I got a bit of sepsis there. Um, so it was a lengthy recovery. I remember that. Um, but I, 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 the only thing I don't, I don't remember is how long after that surgery. But after that surgery, a certain amount of time later, the pain came back and was worse than it was before. Yeah. And it was starting to move into different parts of my body. So I was having shoulder pain. I think that's a bit of CO2, a CO2 issue, but still shoulder, excruciating shoulder pain, pelvic pain, obviously pelvic pain at the end of the story ends up being like the least of my symptoms. Yeah. So shoulder pain, um, bowel issues so bad, um, like extreme constipation, like I had to keep regular uh the nugget came back my god or maybe it wasn't the nugget but i had pain in my belly button because i had had a reconstructive type like frankenstein navel and there was pain again um what else oh gosh it was a nightmare just bad pain and then as time progressed i had sciatic nerve pain so I was like, why do I have this pain in my butt cheek? I was working out um, quite regularly at this point. Um, and, um, uh, you know, they would say, oh, it's your, uh, what's that? Uh, piriformis muscle. So like I would roll on a ball and stuff like that, or just like do sciatic nerve stretches. I should actually rewind for a second. And after that surgery, the doctor sent me right away for fertility treatment. Okay. Because I had just had the surgery. So all this pain um, was happening as I was also, like all these new symptoms were also happening as I was doing fertility treatments. So he sent me to a fertility clinic because um, they said, you know, now that you've been cleaned out, you need to start thinking about that if, cause if you want to start a family. Do you still understand like the severity of endo and how this is all related at this point or not yet? At this point, slowly through, like now we're in 2016, I'm starting to do more, like, you know what I mean? Like what, like, because because I just had this surgery. Why is this pain back? You know what I mean? I couldn't. So I was trying to figure that out. Also going through our first round of in vitro, which the result was... And we did in vitro with ICSI, which means they literally put the sperm into the egg. Um, and we did the egg retrieval and, you know, you create the embryos and then the embryos didn't last the night. So you get the call the next day being like, sorry, nothing worked. And because of my situation, I was only able to produce three eggs, whereas most women, you can get up like 18 to 35 eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Were you ready to even like have a child at this point? Yes, we were. Luckily we were in the position that that we were ready. Okay. That was, we were ready, but yeah, you're like, that's a valid question because like sometimes when women have these surgeries and they say you should try right away, they're not ready. Yeah. Right. That's why I was curious. Like, did they just ship you over there and say, go right. You know, they did, but at least we were ready. You know what I mean? And another issue issue was, is that in Ontario, or I think across Canada, but at least in Ontario, you're covered by OHIP, by our benefits, the government, for a round of in vitro. Just the, not the meds, but the round. And our fertility clinic said, oh, it's going to be a three-year wait 
so you might as well go private. So, you know, you want to start a family and you just have the surgery and there's pressure. So we agreed to that. And I asked many a times to this fertility clinic, is there any chance that that free round will come any sooner? And they were like, no, maybe a quarter, like, like a quarter, like, you know, quarter, like a, two, and a, two years, a and quarter of a year earlier, yeah. but not even possible. Um, so when we did that first round in 2016, a year later, lo and behold, we got the call that that free round, I was so upset. I'm so sorry. That's like terrible. liars. You guys terrible. are liars. You wanted to, to pay, take all our money because it's not cheap before you, you were willing to give us our, like the, the, the free round. Terrible. I was so upset, but we tried again. This time I was like super healthy, working out, um, feeling better, doing acupuncture. Nope. I would say feeling better, but that chronic sciatic nerve pain, so I would say the periods were whatever annoying, right? Just like super heavy now. Cause I'm not on the pill. Um, as I said, the pelvic pain was like, I like you build up this, this tolerance, this tolerance to yeah. the pain. Whereas, so your pelvic pain means nothing because my sciatic nerve is constantly throbbing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so did acupuncture help? I did this diet where I was just eating salmon and broccoli and, you know, I was in the best shape of my life. Um, the best health of my life, but, and we were a bit more successful. So when you, that free round, you have to pay for your meds. So it's more affordable, but so not entirely free. Right. Um, five, and you're injecting yourself with like hormones and all of yeah, this. Yeah, which doesn't help. No. So yeah, this time five eggs. Okay. Exact same thing. So the next morning, nothing lasted. It turns out low, low um, egg count and, and low or poor qual- egg quality sperm was fine Hmm. so it's me so you're dealing with pain endo exploring that journey you're dealing with infertility not being able to provide your husband with a spawn (laughs) right right um you know going over like in your head like i will never know what a child looks like for me and my husband like how cute would that child be dealing with all like is this at this point are you starting to like mentally hit a wall Oh yeah. At this point I am now two years. At this point I'm now saying like at this, well, after the first in vitro, I was like, I need help. So I luckily through a friend found a fantastic therapist who helped me through this. Meanwhile, 2016 was it? Um, I got placed into a school where it was grade seven, eight core French. I don't know how it is in America, but in Canada, nobody likes French if you're in core French um if you're an intermediate kid you don't like French at all so I go into this new position I never even wanted to teach intermediate and we have a group of grade eights that are just wild trying to get us fired trying to like catch us and stuff and just like there were days I couldn't even teach. I would leave the class crying. Oh. Um, like you needed that on top of everything else you had yeah. going on. So like I like would like had horrible skin. I remember ha- having so many breakouts. I'm like in pain, you know, leaving classes crying, like in the worst job of my life. So shrink, like my therapist got me, like without my therapist, I don't know where I would be today. Yeah. Because she got me through all of this. Yeah. Um, I want to go back. You said you changed your diet and that you were doing acupuncture. Were those some of the things that were kind of helping you too? So acupuncture, did you feel that that helped? Acupuncture was fantastic. Unfortunately for us, it's not covered by our benefits. So I was paying out of pocket each week. Yeah. Um, Which is crazy expensive, but did you feel it was helping you? Absolutely. Like she calls them acunaps like you have all the needles in you and you just are so relaxed Mm -hmm. um definitely definitely helpful I wish I could afford it I hope maybe in the future it'll be um in available in our benefits but oh my gosh did you make it's fantastic did the diet, diet changes? changes too or no Have you, I did yeah like I I was seeing a natural like at one point 
throughout all the, the those two years i was i was seeing a naturopath she and she had endo and she couldn't nail it down like i had i was like no dairy no gluten no this no that i tried every diet in the book like not like diet but like yeah like elimination elimination diet. yeah I've tried every one in the book. None of them helped that sciatic nerve pain. Maybe here and there would make my periods better, but like nothing. By this, by this point now, I'm like research central. I'm, I'm listening to podcasts. I'm seeing a pelvic physiotherapist that was recommended to me. I'm, you know, doing every, using every benefit I have to sure. figure out how I can feel better, essentially. Right. So what happens next in your endo journey? You're not feeling well. You're going through this IVF. Now what? Um, now I'm, this pain is chronic. The pain in my sciatic nerve is chronic. Not, like Advil doesn't help. Tylenol doesn't help. Um, heating pad gives me relief, but I have to be sitting. Like, so I can't be doing that at work. Right. Um, and I'm just done. So I go back to that surgeon and I say, listen, I have pain again. Like, what do you recommend? What are we doing here? And he says, oh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this drug called Lupron. And we're going to add another drug called Vizan. And I say, okay, cool. And I go fill those prescriptions. But then I'm doing research because, like, I need to know what's happening here. What saved me was, he said, so the Lupron is a shot. Yeah. He said that the pharmacist could give me the shot. But the pharma, when I went to the pharmacist, they're like, we don't no. give you the shot. Yeah. It's your family. Oh, by now I, I've moved to Hamilton. I have a new family doctor or whatever. I go, I call my family doctor. They said, you have to give me, the, like the pharmacist said, my surgeon said the pharmacist, the pharmacist said, you have to give me the shot. And she's like, we don't know what that is. We're not going to give it to you. You have to have your surgeon uh, message us or you need to go to the surgeon. So it was like a, a runaround. And I already had this shot. I think the fact that they were bouncing me around and was a blessing because as they were all saying, I'm not, I don't do that. I don't do that. I was able to do more research. And then I realized I'm not taking that shot. Phew. Right. Yeah. Um, so thank that was like a blessing. Yeah. But this Vizan thing, I'll try it out. Cause I'm like, it's kind of like birth control. Not really in like in its effects. So I didn't know that progesterone is not a birth control method, but so I was like, I'm going to take this. And you know what? I was, I had some relief with the Vizan for about five months, Good. but then the pain came back. <laughs> Obviously. Yep. Um, and it was that pesky sciatic nerve pain. Which is if people who are listening like or watching nerve pain is unruly. Like I can deal with the endo pain compared to nerve pain. You, there's, there's just no relief. Like it just won't, it's like lightning. It won't stop. No relief at all. Yeah. So, and yeah, like such bad pain. Like you're like, I'm crying. Yeah. Um, so luckily I met a gem of a human who was, who is my pelvic physiotherapist. She had another client with endo who had had surgery with us, this new surgeon from Brazil who had moved to Canada and is now doing surgeries here. Now, uh, your, uh, nerve, he's a nerve and neurology specialist for endo. And I was like, okay, so, so first of all, when I, I had to get a referral to go back to see the first doc, it took about six months to see him for him to give, to say, take this Lupron. It took eight months for me to see the, uh, that other new doctor. Right. Because he had gained the, popularity, the new nerve one. Yeah, the nerve one. Yeah. And by now, like I've gone to the first surgeon just trying to give me drugs, my my family doctor who has no idea what to do with me. Right. Uh, naturopath, no idea what to do with me. Pelvic physiotherapist, she's doing her best. Um, yeah. But nobody can help me. I go and see this doctor from Brazil. He does an exam. 
Um, he, d- he goes vaginally and anally to do an exam. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as he's done that, he's like, oh, it's this, that, and the next, and this, that, and the next. We're going to have a surgery next June. So I was like almost crying. I was so yeah. happy that someone finally could tell me what was up and like that I, to know that I wasn't, you know, losing my mind that yeah. this is how I felt. Yeah. He used, yeah, like weird words, like your pudendal nerve and blah, blah. I don't know. Right. Once again, you're in a blackout state because you're like so happy that something's, that someone's finally listening to you. So you just kind of black out and you don't hear the rest. So I, need, I really need to take like a voice recorder when yes. I go to doctors. That's what I do. I do. I, no, I'm going to. It's a good it. tip for everybody who's listening to take your phone. Ah, so there's an app record. on it. Record. Yeah. Like I'm always like too embarrassed, but no, I'm not no. going to be embarrassed anymore because you know what? I have a horrible memory. Out. Yeah. You... <laughs> and B, I always black out. And yeah. C, I don't know what these words mean. Right. You got to Google them when you get home. Right. So. <laughs> and, and you finally. Like you like, like he seems like you're like finally someone who gets it. Yeah. Awesome. And that's going to help me. Yeah. And that sends me for tests. He sent me for an MRI. He sent me for this. I had to do this like um, urology test where I, they put like, they filled my bladder to see like how easily I emptied it. Found out like the whole, like I I used to notice that when I went to the washroom, I would pee. And then five minutes later, I'd have to pee again. And doing that test, like kind of confirmed that like I had trouble emptying my bladder. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it all, like every yeah. like thing I've experienced, like started to make sense. Yeah. MRI, he could see so much. He's like, I see this, that, the next. And you know, he's like, I see the bowels. He was the first one to say, Hey, you have endo all of your bowels. So I, I told my family doctor, send me for a colonoscopy. Something's not right. Yeah. She sent me for a consult and the, the doctor refused to give me one. This and doctor it- sent me and I got one. Yes, it came back clear. Right. Like because further, like spoiler alert, it was on the outside of my bowels. Right. But at least he's sending me to these things yeah. and entertaining the idea that, right. you know what I mean? Like Trying I'm slowly becoming pick- a do- my own doctor. Yeah. No. I, <laughs> like if I, I wouldn't have advocated for myself, I would be on Lupron right now. Who knows doing what? I know. And that's a, a couple of really good points. A, you talked about MRI and it showed endo. A lot of people don't even know you can get one. I didn't know that until two years ago. But also the caveat with saying that though is sometimes you have endo and it doesn't show up on the MRI too. So don't be discouraged if you hear that. And then advocating for yourself, which is something I talk about all the time on the podcast. I know people get frustrated with that and they don't feel that they should have to do that. But we have, unfortunately, we have to. We have to. I hope these types of conversations will change that in the future. But for now, like- you always have to, if something feels wrong in your gut, you're probably right. And you need to keep trying to find a doctor who will listen to you. Totally agree. Like if, yeah, I couldn't even imagine like, and it's, yeah. And, and like you said, like you shouldn't have to, but you have to, there's, yeah. there's just not enough. I don't know if it's not enough research, not enough all specialists. It's all it's of it. It's just awareness. Yeah. Yeah. And like, if you're not happy with an answer, you need to find a different answer. Yes. And Google and research and talk to other people in the endo community to figure out what worked for, you know, may work for them, might not work for you, but at least get some feedback before you jump into something. Absolutely. Okay. So then you have this surgery planned. Yes. So he says, you're going to have your surgery in June. And what year is this now? Now we're... 2018 my surgery last year 2019 yeah 2019 June 19. right okay. so june well i met him in december of december of 2018 yeah he says oh we're gonna wait. we're looking at june 2019 okay but after all these tests he's like uh sorry to tell you but we can't do june because i had a, a june date even picked half day surgery but then after all the mris and the the urology stuff he says, nope, you know what? We're going to need a bowel surgeon. It's going to have to be the fall and it's going to be a full day surgery because there's two surgeons that have to be there. And so whatever, I'm like, okay, cool. Whatever you, you're, I'm in your hands. I'm, I'm feel good. Yeah. Um, so then November, 2019 comes 
I think he had scheduled seven hours for my surgery. Also, he gave, he said that, you know, I want to take your uterus. Um, cause I did have a Dino. Um, and I was on the fence. He, he's like, you can think about it all the way up until surgery. And I was like, cool. Did a lot, as much research as I can. Like everyone's different and there's lots of different research. But I had come to the decision that, you know what? Take it. So that morning, I, you know, I was like, yep, I can go. Because this is now your third surgery. Well, this is is my, like, yeah, too many. Yeah. (laughs) Third endo. um, But then, you know, technically that bowel surgery, that, like, anal surgery was related. Yes. Um, He's like, you're going to take it. And he's like, oh, and he's like, so he's like, he scheduled seven hours. Uterus, I agreed to. He said, we're going to go, we're going to, he's like, you're going to lose your navel. <laughs> he's like, we're, it's, it's, we're, we have to take it completely out. He's like, I'm going to go around it big so that there's, it, there's no way it comes back. Um, is that all he said before surgery? Yeah. You know, you, you, oh, it's a possible bowel section. I had met with the stoma nurse because you might, might have a, a, a ostomy bag. Um, I had, had, I knew what was possibly going to happen. Yeah. But then I wake up and they tell me that my surgery was 17 hours. Oh my goodness. Um, and so you're, you know, you're in the recovery unit and like my mother-in-law had come with me and like at this point when I, like I finally came to, it was like one in the morning. I had gone in at like eight for like a nine o'clock surgery and my mother-in-law like they're like oh she just went home she had she stayed right until the end they said um because she's like she had to make sure I got out um yeah 17 hours so I had to kind of like swallow that um and get off being drowsy right like now I'm in recovery um the surgical note says that after that surgery, I was like, you know, as soon as I'm ready, I'm going home. But I didn't end up going home for 23 days. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so here's where things get crazy. So I had this 17-hour surgery when I finally am able to understand. Well, I wasn't fully under, like understanding anything until I was out of the hospital reading the, the surgical notes. But yeah. they had told me that they went in. Uh, they had like lots of surgeons. They would take turns like yeah. half an hour on whatever. Right. Uh, I ended up having the main surgeon, the bowel surgeon and a urologist because he had to, so this doctor had, to, it was on my bowels, on my ureters, bladder. Uh, what else organs do you have in there? Oh, for sure. The, 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 um, uterus had to come out it was it's I have a, I have photos it was looked like it was burnt to a crisp right. um so he would have taken that out anyway um it was pelvic on my pelvic floor what else do you have in there probably appendix um, did they take uh, your appendix or no no didn't take my appendix didn't really talk about my appendix diaphragm didn't no didn't didn't talk about that oh by the way, back in the day, I was having what I thought was diaph- like diaphragm symptoms as well at one point, but yeah. they kind of like came and went. Um, he said it was everywhere. They Did removed you keep your ovaries. Oh, he kept my ovaries. I think he said, but I moved them. <laughs> and he said the bowel surgeon had to take a foot of my bowel, so I did have a bag. Um, so at this point. Oh, and then the urologist had to come because he had to take so much, so much endo off my ureters that I had to put, have stents on both of them. And it turns out my mother-in-law told me that she ran into the doctor when she was waiting for me and that he showed her pictures of like my uterus and my, and my bowels and told her that like, if I wouldn't have had this kind of surgery, it would have spread to my kidneys and killed me. So like just wild yeah so I'm post-op with my ostomy bag and, and a catheter after anyone anyone would have a catheter after right. surgery but when they took my cath no first it was a bowel issue so I ended up 
having a bowel leak. How did they find that out? This was so recent. You're probably sick. Very sick. Yeah, I was very sick. I was at one point I had gone to the washroom in bed, but I had an ostomy bag. I remember waking up and just feeling something and I was like, that's impossible. I have an ostomy bag. Like what? Lo and behold, I had gone to the washroom and I was vomiting. Yeah. So turns out I had a bowel leak. Oh my goodness. So there was that. Um and then, oh, and then we had a CT and it showed. And then um, when they took my catheter out, I didn't pee for eight hours. So they were like, so they put that back in and I had some tests done. It turns out that I had a ureter leak, which all of these things they kind of like uh, suspected would happen. Obviously, yeah. they, didn't, they didn't say to me, oh, this could happen but it is in the surgical report like when i look back like they thought that like these are the possible things but they also wrote she will be going home today (laughs) so i had every possible complication that that surgery allowed ended up being there for 23 days oh i also had air in my lung but that kind of went away they did a procedure but it's a teaching hospital and the person didn't do it properly so yeah, that happened too. But um, bowel leak, they were like, there's nothing really we can do about it right now. Like yeah. I had like, um, what's the fancy, what's the scary name? Like disease control on my case. Like I was mm-hmm. on antibiotics up the wazoo. This disease control infectious, woman was there. Like infectious infectious disease. diseases was there like every day. And then, but at the end of it, pardon my French, but she was like, you can't clean shit right yeah. because i like having sepsis and yeah she's like you can't not enough antibiotics can clean up poop. yeah yeah so i you know they just stopped my antibiotics um so at this point i have an ostomy bag i have a catheter i oh and then while i'm in there they give me a butt drain i don't there's no fancy word for it i think they use the word precarious drain okay. so i have a drain in my butt cheek that's draining the bowel leak i have and then they also gave me a nephrostomy tube because that ureter is leaking urine into my body so i need a nephrostomy tube which is a tube in your kidney that directs your urine straight to a bag so i have three bags oh my god four bags um and miraculous miraculously after 23 days they say i can go home but with all the bags no, all of them, all of them, all the bags. So you can only imagine, but they're like, you're going to have a nurse. You're going to have a nurse that comes every three days. You're going to have an ostomy nurse. So I had two nurses in the beginning. Um, I can't lift, push, pull. I have, what age was he at the time? Oh, was he, like one-year-old, essentially. I have a, an infant. Um, while I was in the hospital, luckily my, my in-laws are saints. They would watch Ellis during the week cause my husband was on like shift work. Yeah. Uh, and then my husband would take my, would bring my son home for the weekend. So he's all over the place. My surgery is in Toronto. We live in Hamilton. So it's an hour commute. Um, so I only saw my son four times because to bring him all the way to the city it's you know you have an hour drive there an hour drive home yeah a little visit hospital not the best place to have a baby um so that was hard I remember the first time he came to visit like he didn't even look like him like he had grown so much um so yeah so I'm home luckily as I said angel of a woman my mother-in-law is she she was here every day at 6 a.m because I can't even lift my child out of the crib. Right. She was with me for a f- like, because I, I had to be six to eight weeks post-op that I could even consider lifting, pushing, yeah. pulling. I couldn't even walk with my son. Like right. I could walk, but I can't push the stroller. Right. Um, yeah. So wow. I had a lot of help. Um, oh, and while I was in the hospital, the, what got me through, I would like write on my whiteboard like goals for the day, like to walk for laps or to you know drink two things of water or yeah. I, like I have I had my son's name Ellis like written on my board like without 
that I would have, you know, no, sunk, very sunk. Very, very I would have been defeated. Like high four bags and no. like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Felt great. Like no pain, but I have all these bags. Yeah. So where now? So that was six that months was in ago. November. November thirteenth yeah. will always be a day you'll never forget. Remember. Yeah. So I would say about four months post op. I went like I I've been to many a follow up. Yeah. But four months post-op was my favorite because my doctor was, like, the doctor, the surgeon that did my surgery was able to, the, 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 the butt drain, as I called it, uh, was not draining anything. So he took that one out. Oh, so I was a quarter of bags lighter. So I had three bags now. Victory. That's a, vi- that's victory. a huge victory. It was a huge victory because I couldn't like be comfortable. I couldn't sit on my own couch no. comfortably because it was literally at the top, top, yeah. right. Like everything was on the right side. Top right of my butt crack <laughs> was this drain and it yeah. was painful. I couldn't drive. That was another thing that was tricky. I couldn't drive with that. Um, I couldn't do much with that. So that uncomfortable thing was gone. One bag gone. I felt so happy about that. But the more I went to follow-ups, the more it made sense. And the more like I read the surgical report, it turns out my right ureter is hanging on by a thread. It looks, it's hanging out. It looks, it's so thin that it looks like it's detached. So now urology has, has kind of moved my uh, case to a bladder surgeon because there's going to, I'm going to have to have another surgery where the ureter is reconnected to my bladder also need to have another surgery where the bowel is repaired because it's still kind of like yeah leak no like the bowel like my yeah yeah, because I think the tissue was so thin when they removed that that foot of bowel yeah that it was leaking um but the bowel surgeon was like we want to wait about nine months post-op which would bring us to August of this summer upcoming summer um, and they've said, you know, we'll do it all together. So yeah. the bladder surgeon would be involved, bowel surgeon, and then um, the main surgeon, the main, main endo surgeon would be involved as well. Because I also ended up with a fistula um, between my vagina, like vagina and bowels somewhere in there. I just call it a black hole. It's a black hole. It makes me TMI, but makes me leak. So some, and there's no rhyme or reason. Sometimes I have to wear it depends. Sometimes I'm like, I have no uterus, but I have to buy pads because sometimes I just will be sitting here right. and I'll just feel a gush. And yeah. it's like, it looks like the kidney liquid. Um, so it's not blood. It's like a, yeah. like a clear kind of urine, but it's not urine. Well, technically it is, but not like from, I don't think it's from my catheter. Yeah. Um, it's obviously from that right side. So, uh, yeah, so pre-COVID, I'm scared, like not, there was no date yet, but summer 2020, one more surgery. And I have to keep all of these bags until that surgery. So you still have the three bags? I still have the three bags. Um, And meanwhile, I would say last December and March, two visits to the ER because I've had such bad kidney pain that it's like 10 out of 10. And like, I always said to myself, if I'm ever in so much pain that I'm crying, that means you need to go to the hospital. Yeah. So both times it turns out it was a UTI, like, well, they, they said UTI. So I was put on antibiotics um, for 10 days, both times. But then the last episode, March 13th. So this is like at the very, like, like this is when COVID first was like just coming the lockdown i think the lockdown was the 13th like when we closed down in ontario yeah i was there the 14th um but then i was on the antibiotics for the 10 days but then 10 days later the kidney pain came back so i had to call i just called my family doctor because i didn't want to go to the er again because now covid's at its height peak yeah i don't want to be there no i call her and Cause my nurse was like, my home nurse was like, why don't you just call your family doctor? Maybe she can just get you more antibiotics. 
but the pharmacist, when I, she did that, when the, but the pharmacist is like, you're going to grow an antibody to these because you were just on them 10 days ago, but yeah. here you go, but you need to figure it out. So that's when I called my bladder surgeon. And now I've just recently, first of all, I had to get a tube change. It's been almost five months and I hadn't had my nephrostomy tube change. So I just did that. I just had a CT and I just had um, an ultrasound and I'm waiting for results from that. Um, from the from the ultrasound they saw kind of like a hematoma happening maybe dried blood though okay. so they sent me for a ct which i'm like i have to call them today um and see if they they're usually pretty good at getting back to me but i need to call them today to see what's up like what yeah. does that mean because yeah. the kidney pain still here post um nephrostomy tube change so something's not right right now and yeah. i'm wondering if maybe it'll make my situation more urgent or if you know potentially i'm gonna my surgery in the summer is going to get pushed to the fall or later just because now all these surgeries are getting pushed i know but the pain and i'm so i'm and i'm may first back to work as a teacher we're teaching virtually here okay so i was able to do that had we gone back in the building i would be on a medical leave yeah because i can't like all these bags like there's No. no way and like if i if i stand for more than like half an hour my kidney and lower back starts hurting yeah so now I'm kind of in limbo but with kidney pain (laughs) how is your other pain but well up until I would say a month ago no pelvic pain um no pain at all the sciatic nerve pain is gone um lately I've been I don't know if it's like because I've been reintroducing new foods because with the ostomy, you have to have a, a very strict diet for the first six weeks. And then yeah. slowly you can like start adding like, you know, like broccoli is pretty gassy, stuff like that. Like yeah. I've been having a bit of pelvic pain. I don't know if it's ovulation or foods that I'm eating right. or it's not comfortable. It's not constant, but it's there, which kind of scares me just because yeah. like he did a good clean. Yeah. Um, but no sciatic nerve pain, which was the worst pain. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> you have to like pick your battles. I mean, right. Look, with endo, none of us are ever going to be a hundred percent. I hate to say that, but it's just true. And that's the thing. It's it's a chronic thing, so we just have to figure out the best way to to manage it and like maintain as much daily life as we can and and reduced pain. Yeah. And like, I would have these plans, like after my surgery, I was going to eat so clean endo diet, but then I have this ostomy bag where I have to like, I'm told to only eat like white flour, no, like no, um, whole greens, like easy to digest, like cheese, like chips, like not, not at all what I planned on eating after like post-surgery. Right. Can't exercise. Like I can't do anything. Um, so I just need these bags gone so I can like start the next chapter of this endo journey whatever it looks like well you're incredible I mean how are you feeling like mental health wise so mental health wise you this was a lot it's a lot it's a lot I'm a pretty positive person but obviously I've had days where I'm just like I'm over it like I'll just be crying like and my husband is just like how can I help you and I'm like but I'm very like self-aware like my therapist unfortunately moved out west so she did recommend some some new people, but I haven't accessed them yet. I haven't felt that I've, because like before this, like me and her, we kind of like, before she left, like we kind of like closed the book. Yeah. Like I would still see her, but yeah. like I was going weekly, but then now I could go like monthly and we just check in and she was like, you're doing great. Yeah. Um, so I'm very self-aware. So I've, you know, sometimes I've been like, okay, do I need to, and I'm like, no, I'm good. Um, just during, just because COVID's here, right? Like, yeah. I'm going to find another drink because I think it's so necessary. Like yep. no matter who you are, there's always things you can work on. Like not because I, not to mention all this drama, I have childhood trauma. So I have, you know, right. but I'm self-aware and I know when I need it. So mental health wise, highs and lows. Yeah. Um, I am excited to get back to talking to a therapist, but for now I'm okay. It's just like now with this, now, you know, this added, like me, my son and I, we were always out. We were always out of this house, like having to now be inside a house working, 
watching him kidney pain. I have a dog who's high needs. She is very needy. So it's just a lot. And I'm by myself. Yeah. Usually I have grandma to help and because um, yeah. my husband works. So right. it's been hard, but I'm keeping my head up. Good. You really, I mean, I can tell you exude positivity and you've been through a lot. So that's mm-hmm. awesome. So obviously you're sharing this and you've been through a lot and there's a lot of people that are listening that are at the beginning of their journey or their middle of their journey, or, you know, maybe even in a similar state as you, what, any tips or tricks you want to provide for anything that you've been through? For sure. Advocate, advocate, advocate. You have to, until you get the answers that you want, essentially, uh, you need to fight. You need to fight. Yeah. Don't stop fighting, right? A lot of people just, they're like, okay, whatever. I, I, you're in so much pain that you're like, sure, I'll take that Lupron, whatever helps. Yeah. Please don't do that. Right. <laughs> um, do your research. It's hard. Like it's still, you know, it's not, there's not, there's tons of information now. However, it's, it's hard to navigate that, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to navigate, you know, what's, like if a doctor's telling you to take something, it should be good for you, but that's not the case. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure it's much different in the States too, right? Because there's no healthcare. Similar. Yeah. Right. So uh, I, I just can't even imagine. So advocate for yourself. Um, I don't know how prevalent pelvic physiotherapy is in the States, but that, that helped it me is. a lot. That's good. She, my woman's a gem. So like, I just love her anyway, but like, I, th- I think that she's, she has done, she unblocked, uh, I had blocked um, fallopian tubes before uh, my, my first round of IVF and she unblocked one of them. That's great. Like they're pretty cool. And like, I, I'm excited for like when I don't have a catheter that she can like go in and she like make sure like my ovaries are moving and stuff like that. It's wild what they can do. So pelvic physiotherapy is key. If you can, if you have access to it, right. It's yeah. also expensive, but I'm covered with my benefits. Um, I don't have diet because you know what? I've tried all That's okay. the diet stuff. We talk about but, it all the time. Um, but definitely, you know, try to see what works for you in terms of what you put into your body. Um, just don't, I know I find like I'll, I'm on a lot of like Facebook groups um, and there's just so many women that are that just like they've had enough and they try like they almost like they give up and they're you know no longer going to work and just like letting it take over and I know how you're feeling I know how much the pain how much it hurts and how the pain affects your your mental health but just fight and and don't let it win I know it's like easier said than done but I just see so many people that just let it kind of like take them down yeah um yeah don't let it great those are great tips for sure is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up no well you are a true warrior and i know everyone listening to this is going to feel the same way and we really really appreciate you sharing and being so vulnerable and and telling us your story. And I look forward to getting a, a recap in a right. couple months when, when you're bagless. Yes. Ba- oh my gosh. It will be the most glorious day to be bagless. Yeah. You're a hero. Absolute hero. <sighs> Thank you. Yeah. I, whatever. As I said before, it's like, as long as if I share my story and it helps um, give hope to at least one person, I've done my job. Right. Well, yeah. and that's another thing. Like, it's important. Like I find Instagram is such a great place to be an endo warrior. Cause there are so many endo warriors on Instagram and like how I randomly find people like you. And yeah. I've made friends with people in, in, in different States and around the world that I've not even met in person. Mm-hmm. And we're, you know, talking back and forth all the time. So it's really helpful to have people to talk to that are going through the same things as you. Yes. For ex- another example is there, there, there was an endo group. It turns out that only two of us ended up going to meet, like there was a meetup, 
mm-hmm. but only two of us showed up and like yeah. now I like have this new friend like that lives in my si- in the same city as me yeah. um that's going through the same thing so like when I'm having a, a you know a flare-up or something I could just call her and, and we can commiserate you know what I mean yeah. so finding your people is important I agree having a community because you may have a best friend, but they don't understand what you're going through. And this disease is really tough and you need to be able to have those conversations with people who get it, that they're not going to look at you and like, gosh, she doesn't feel good again. You know, like these people understand because they're going through the same thing. And that's actually a really good plug for, I started a Facebook group specifically for this podcast. So I'm inviting all the guests to come on so they can talk further. I'm kind of calling it like the after show because people have questions after they listen to this. So it's not, it's a place where we can just kind of talk about the episodes after it'll be linked in the show notes, or if you're watching on YouTube, it's linked below, but I'd love for all of you to join the community and cast you too. Cause I'm sure people have questions for you, but then you can keep us updated there too. Yes. I'm so into it. Yeah. We'd love to have you. All right. Well, thank you again so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. It means so much to me and it's helping so many people worldwide. We appreciate you being here. If you want to be on the show, please check the show notes for my contact information. And if you want to keep the conversation going after the podcast, please join our Facebook group. Thank you again for listening. Wishing you a wonderful day and low pain. Take care.